Good morning, and welcome to Simply Sports. It's Friday, February 2nd. On today's show, we discuss how Bayern and Atletico came out on top in the transfer window, while the Saudi league took the biggest hit. Plus, first-time All-Star Maxi's explosive 51-point performance in a recent win. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Sports. We start off with a look at the 2024 January transfer window, which was a quieter affair compared to previous years, with clubs around Europe doing little business. According to Transfermarkt, England's Premier League teams spent around €121 Euros this month, a significant drop from the record €2.79 billion Euro spent during the summer window and €842 million used in January 2023. Similar trends were observed in other top European leagues. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent, James. Can you tell us more about this trend and the reasons behind it? Certainly, David. The transfer bubble seems to have burst due to new financial regulations and a lack of available options. This is not just in the Premier League, but also in France's Ligue 1, Italy's Serie A, Germany's Bundesliga, Spain's La Liga, and even Saudi Arabia's Pro League. The reduced spending is a clear indication of this trend. Despite the general lack of business, were there any clubs that managed to do well in this transfer window? Yes, there were a few winners in this quieter window. Bayern Munich, for instance, made some solid acquisitions, including right-back Sacha Bowie from Galatasaray and Eric Dier from Tottenham. Atletico Madrid secured the highly-rated midfielder Arthur Vermeeren from Antwerp, while Tottenham managed to land centre-back Radu Dragasin from Genoa and Timo Werner from RB Leipzig. Borussia Dortmund also did well, bringing in Chelsea loanee Ian Martson and welcoming back Jadon Sancho from Manchester United. What about the losers of this transfer window? The biggest losers were arguably the fans, who have come to expect high-profile signings during the transfer windows. The reduced spending, while arguably a healthy sign, was a disappointment for many. Manchester United also had a disappointing window, with no new arrivals and the loaning out of Jadon Sancho to Dortmund. The Saudi Pro League, which had been free spending in the summer, also saw a significant drop in activity. West Ham winger Said Benrahma also had a tough time, with a potential move to Lyon collapsing at the last minute. It seems like South American teenagers did well in this window. Can you tell us more about that? Indeed, several South American teenagers secured moves to top European clubs. Barcelona signed striker Vitor Roque from Atletico PR, Manchester City secured River Plate's Claudio Echeverri, Brighton signed Boca Juniors left-back Valentin Barco, and PSG snapped up Corinthians defensive midfielder Gabriel Moscardo. These signings indicate that in the absence of transfer market value in Europe, some of the continent's top clubs have turned to South America for bargains. Thanks for the transfer window insights, James. Now, let's switch gears to the NBA, where Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers scored a career-high 51 points last night, leading his team to a 127-124 to victory over the Utah Jazz. This comes just hours after Maxi was selected for his first All-Star game. Bella, our correspondent for Simply Sports, is here to delve deeper into this. So Bella, how significant was Maxi's performance, especially considering the absence of Joel Embiid? Indeed, David. 
Maxi's performance was nothing short of spectacular, especially given that Embiid, the star center for the 76ers, was out due to an injured lateral meniscus in his left knee. Maxi, who had just returned from a sprained left ankle, surpassed his previous career high of 50 points set in November against Indiana. His performance was crucial in securing the win for Philadelphia. Can you tell us more about Maxi's performance on the court? Certainly. Maxi was on fire, shooting 17 of 27 from the field, 7 of 9 on threes, and 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He became the first 76er to have at least seven two-point field goals, seven threes, and seven free throws in a game. He also admitted that he had no idea he'd play 41 minutes on his first game back, but he was determined to give it his all for his teammates. And how did the rest of the team perform? Tobias Harris and Kelly Uber Jr. also had strong games, adding 28 and 16 points respectively. Despite the fatigue, the 76ers capitalized on turnovers and scored 27 fast break points. Their coach, Nick Nurse, admitted that he was burning timeouts just to give his players some rest. What about the Utah Jazz? How did they fare in the game? Lori Markkinen and Colin Sexton were the standout performers for the Jazz, scoring 28 and 22 points respectively. Despite trailing for most of the game, they managed to take a brief lead with 2.30 to play, thanks to back-to-back three-pointers from Markkinen and Sexton. However, their efforts were not enough to overcome the 76ers. That was Simply Sports reporter Bella providing insights into the 76ers' victory over the Jazz. Thanks for joining us. Now, shifting gears to the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks have found their new head coach in Mike McDonald, the former Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. This decision was influenced by McDonald's ability to disrupt the marketplace, as evidenced by his top-ranked unit in 2023. Here to delve into this is our correspondent for Simply Sports. So Celeste, what can you tell us about this new appointment? Indeed, David. The Seahawks general manager, John Schneider, was particularly impressed by McDonald's potential to change the marketplace. McDonald, at just 36, is now the NFL's youngest head coach. Schneider referred to him as the future and praised his unique qualities during the introductory news conference. Interesting. What was McDonald's reaction to this appointment? McDonald referred to his decision to take the Seahawks job as a leap of faith, given that both he and his wife grew up back east. He was drawn to the parallels between the Seahawks and the Ravens, where he had worked for 10 years. He also appreciated the emphasis that Schneider placed on people, which was a key factor in his decision to join the Seahawks. And what about the process of hiring McDonald? I understand there were some delays. Yes, there were some administrative holdups following the decision to move on from the previous head coach, Pete Carroll. This meant that the Seahawks couldn't interview McDonald until after the Ravens' season ended. Schneider even joked about praying for the Ravens and Lions to lose their conference championship games, which they did. After interviewing McDonald, Schneider was convinced that he was ready to be a head coach. What can we expect from McDonald as the new head coach? McDonald plans to initially call plays for his defense and then eventually hand over those duties to a coordinator. He also intends to build a system that's unique to the Seattle Seahawks. As for the offense, He's looking for the right person to build the system, with NFL play-calling experience not being a top requirement. The focus will be on building the system around the quarterback. 
Speaking of quarterbacks, what's the situation with Geno Smith? McDonald has expressed respect for Geno Smith, who is under contract for two more seasons. However, he also stated that they will build the system around the quarterback, so it remains to be seen how the situation will evolve. The backup, Drew Locke, is set to be a free agent. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. Now, shifting gears to football, in a recent La Liga match, Spain forward Joselu scored twice, leading Real Madrid to a 2-0 victory over local rivals Getafe. This win has propelled Madrid back to the top of the La Liga, two points ahead of Girona. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Michael. So, Michael, can you tell us more about Madrid's performance in this match? Certainly, David. Madrid came into this game with a clear intent to dominate, and they did just that. Hosulu opened the scoring in the 14th minute with a powerful header from Dani Carvajal's cross. He had another great opportunity in the 38th minute, but Getafe's goalkeeper, David Soria, managed to save his shot. And despite missing some key players, Madrid still managed to secure the win. How did they cope with these absences? Indeed, Madrid was without several regulars, including goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois and defenders David Alaba and Eder Militão. They also lost center-back Antonio Rudiger to a leg injury at halftime. However, they managed to maintain their lead, with Joselu extending it in the 56th minute. He could have completed his hat-trick later in the game, but instead tried to set up Vinicius, who unfortunately shot straight at Soria. Getafe did have some chances to reduce the deficit, didn't they? Yes, they did. Mason Greenwood came close to equalizing in the 51st minute, but his strike hit the post. Later, Bora Mayoral took advantage of a mistake, but Real's goalkeeper Andre Lunin made a brilliant save to deflect his point-blank strike onto the post. With this win, Madrid is now 10 points clear of Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. How crucial are their upcoming matches in the La Liga title run-in? The upcoming matches are indeed crucial. Madrid will host Atletico on Sunday and Girona six days later. Real's manager, Carlo Ancelotti, has said that if they win the next two games, they'll have six more points, which would be a significant boost. He also expressed hope that Rudiger can recover in time for Sunday's derby. Michael, we appreciate your insights, and it's certainly something for our listeners to look forward to. And on that note, we wrap up our sports stories for today. Thanks for tuning in to Simply Sports. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>